Thank you, Pastor. Okay, 1 Samuel, please, chapter number 8, if you find that in your Bible. And uh, thanks for coming out on uh, Wednesday night. I know that midweek we can often be feeling a little tired. And I can tell you that is universal. We deal with the same thing in Thailand. Um, we, have a, we have a Friday night service. Friday night is our Wednesday night. And um, I don't know why that is. Uh, I, I don't know why Wednesday night's our Wednesday night, but it just always was. But uh, in Thailand, we have Friday night, I think mainly because it's just hard for some people to get out in the middle of the week. Uh, most of them work six or seven days a week, and, uh, and it's just hard for them to get out. So we have Friday night, and uh, by the time people get in Friday night, they look like about half of you, and a little sort of weary. We do our best to teach, and uh, we use that time mainly for sort of instruction and teaching. And if you can imagine that people who came out of a Buddhist culture and... Uh, and uh, you know, there's a lot could be said about that. It's not just religion, but really is lifestyle in every way. They certainly need to know what the Bible says about things. So we try to do that on Friday night, mainly teaching. And then over the last perhaps couple of years, that's begun to go out uh, to other churches in Thailand. So we have a lot of the Thai pastors now waiting uh, on my teaching uh, on Friday night and then uh, you know, they, they just use that to, to help them as well. But anyway, thank you for being out. I want to give you uh, something from the Word of God. I just want to appreciate your support uh, for missions and just sort of bring that up again and tell you to please uh, don't lose your way uh, in terms of the things that matter. Uh, one of the things that I think our enemy likes to do is to get us uh, caught up on things that really do not matter uh, and they're not of lasting significance, and often they can become powerful uh, things at distracting us from doing what God wants us to do. So periodically, you should be saying to yourself, what, what, what does God really care about? Right, right now, what does Jesus want to see done? All right, you need to ask that question. And what I can tell you, that what he wants to see done, he wants to see people saved and reach for Christ. That's the number one priority. And uh, because he knows he's coming back soon and uh, he wants to see as many people as possible get saved here in Australia, uh, but also in other places. And the way that people get saved is they hear the gospel the same way that you heard it, somebody told you. And so you are the somebody to do the telling and don't let other things zap you of your mental energy, your strength, take up all your time. You know, if the devil can just discourage you, uh, you become very uh, easy to, to let the main things slip way down in your life. Okay? And you say, well, I have a cause for discouragement. Let me tell you, when you get over this one, another one will come. Okay, you, you're never going to get to the place where there's not another thing. It's just they just keep rolling in. You say that's a cheery thought. They just keep they just keep rolling in. But what you've got to do is just just focus on on finishing your race and saying, Lord, I want you to use me in my life. 
uh, I want to be used to, to share the gospel and I want to uh, help those who get saved. That's the second thing the Lord cares about is when people get saved, he wants them to be able to grow in their faith because growing in their faith is, is growing in him. It's understanding him. It's living a life that hopefully is pleasing to him. So the strengthening of believers is important. The winning of the lost is important. And do your best to stay mindful of that, all right? Because it, you, you, you can lose your way so easily. And I say that collectively. We can lose our way so easily. Uh, but we want to stay focused on the right thing. So God has been um, reaching some people in Thailand, uh, seeing some good things happen. If you haven't been up, I hope you get to come up sometime. It was a blessing to have some folks come for my daughter Sarah's wedding a, a little while ago. We wasn't expecting anybody from here, honestly, to come up. We, we know that, you know, it's busy and there's costs, but it really was a blessing that the, there was a number who came up and that was very encouraging to us and I hope it was a blessing to them in some way as well. But, uh, but we have seen the Lord working. Around about uh, three weeks ago, we had another wedding. It was uh, about the, a week after Sarah's. And uh, there was a young man in the church. He first came to our church when we were in a rented building in town before we you know, had any land or any buildings. And uh, he came, I guess he was about 17 when he came to the church and uh, introduced himself. And his name, his name was Ice, I-C-E, Ice. So, uh, yeah, Ice, how are you? And uh, we chatted and I said to him, I said, uh, so you know, tell me about your mum and dad. On, and, you know, broken English, bit of Thai, but he said, no, no, they, they are uh, split up. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, I said, well, do, you know, does your dad work? What's your dad do? He goes, yes, yes, he works. I said, what does he do? He said, uh, you know, um, a mafia, you know mafia? And I said, uh, what is it? And he said, mafia, you know. I said, mafia? And he goes, yes, yes, mafia. I said, oh, you, your dad is mafia. Yes, he, he mafia. And I said, okay. I said, does he, uh, does he have uh, trouble with the police? And he goes, oh, no, no, no. He has people take care of him. Uh, and I said, oh, okay. So I said, okay, well, that's interesting. And, uh, you know, you learn the culture as you're there. And, and uh, so, so that was ice. I guess a little while after that, I don't know, maybe a couple of years, he came to me one time for prayer Still young man, he was working at the, the only McDonald's in Nakhon Sawana. And uh, he said, uh, Pastor, can you pray for me? Uh, I said, uh, I can, what, what, what is it about? And he said, I pray that nobody will kill me. Because, very serious, he said, because my father called me and said, I must be careful because there were some people angry with my father and they will try to kill me to get at him. And I said, uh, yes, we can pray about that. And uh, that's just kind of thing that, you know, just comes up over there. Well, anyway, about three weeks ago, you know, we're 10 years down further from all this. Ice has still been in the church, uh, you know, uh, uh, mostly there, most services. Uh, got older, uh, got involved in a bike gang, uh, but stayed in church. Uh, so it was his wedding. And so, so uh, the wedding was on. Uh, everybody came and his dad came. I'd never met his dad before and uh, his dad had to come with four bodyguards. So his dad was there and there was four uh, guys all tattooed and uh, Asian type people but clearly 
you know, that was their job, so I had a bit of a chat with them. Isa's granddad came, and his granddad, who's the father of his dad, well, he's a policeman. And so he came, and he was in, uh, he was in uniform, he was there. So granddad was there, dad was there, uh, the bodyguards were there, uh, a number of the bike gang, they were there. And uh, all, all in the church, first time they've ever, 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 ever come in. And uh, sitting in the church, and the best man was there, and his name's uh, Pac. And, uh, you know, Pac's got some, you know, marks, and he's had a sort of lifestyle. And so Pac is there, and there's about four men and four ladies in the wedding party. And Joe is preaching. So Joe's going to do the wedding, Joe's preaching. And uh, Joe is there, and, and I'm, I'm sitting down, and I'm, I'm, you know, off to the side, and I'm watching. And uh, Joe just begins to preach. And, uh, and when Joe preached, uh, I, could just, I could just sense uh, a moving of God just start to, you know, to happen there in the church. And, uh, and I was watching people. And a granddad who's been in the police force a long time and seen a lot of things and it's probably hardened to a lot of things. Joe was over, he's looking the other way. But I saw the look on his face was... And I could see he was affected. And I'm looking at the bodyguards and I'm looking at the bike gang. And suddenly it felt like there was a whole room of little children and they were hearing something that they'd never, ever heard in their life. And everybody could feel that something was happening. The best man, a pack, was standing there and I saw his eyes just fill with tears. And he's wearing his suit and he's looking forward. And then I saw the tears just run down his face. And I was watching all that happen as uh, Joe preached there and I thought to myself, you know, nobody will care about these people like you care about them. No, nobody, nobody will sit and see this and feel what you feel. And if you're not here, this, this is not, these people are not going to be reached. And I guess it just, it just touched my heart again of the real need of so many who just have never, ever even heard the gospel. And they're not, they're not angry against God like a lot here are. Uh, they're not... They don't say bad things about God. They just have never heard. And uh, it, was very, it was very moving to watch that and just see the Lord working there. And I guess it made me double down on the fact I need, I need to be here and because none of this would happen because ice wouldn't have been reached and these people, they, will never, they would never have ever been in church. And then uh, the next week there was a couple of people uh, got saved in the church. One was a man of 60 or thereabouts. And uh, when he first came to the church, he wore a chain that the Buddhists wear and it has all uh, little statues in a, encased in a little glass sort of uh, casing they wear. And he you know, had those on and, and as part of his religion. And uh, Dio, who had uh, reached him in the village, had talked to him and he met him at uh, chicken fighting. They, they fight chickens in the culture. And so Dio had been at chicken fighting and some others had been there and he'd just begin to witness. And by the way, if you never get around unsaved people, you'll never win them. You'll, just, you'll never win anybody. 
If you're not out there, if you don't talk, if you don't have confidence, you'll never win anybody. And, uh, and so he was, uh, uh, he invited this man to church. He came and uh, the guy had sat there for about two months. And, uh, and uh, Dio uh, called him Lung, which is uh, Thai for uncle. And Asians often address people by older brother or uncle, age-based more than if the person's an actual relative. And uh, so that man was there, and uh, I, no- I noticed on that particular Sunday he had come without his, uh, all his uh, statues. It was all, just wasn't wearing them. And uh, I preached that morning on uh, uh, the serpent being lifted up on the pole and how that was a picture of Christ. And I called the message, Look and Live. And uh, so the message was over. Uh, the last song was being played and Dio made his way over to the, the man and, uh, and talked to him. And uh, he said to him, uh, while the music was playing in the church, he said, Lung, he said, do you, do you believe that God is there? And uh, Lung said, uh, I believe. And he said, Lung, do you, do you believe that Jesus died for your sins and he rose again from the dead and he's the saviour? Lung, do you believe that? And Lung said, I believe. And Dio said, well, Lung, would you like to get saved today? And Lung said, I would. And uh, that day, that man got saved. And then there was another lady who, she was a hairdresser. She has a little hairdressing salon. She's 47. And uh, she had just been coming a little bit. And that day that she got saved. And on Sunday, uh, her sister came. And her sister said, I've never had any interest in religion. She said, but something has happened to my sister. And she's changed. And and I, I need to know, what is this? And I'm just saying that, that, God is working and God will work if we do what we're supposed to do. And what will happen is you will, the devil wants to stop you. The devil can't stop you going to heaven. Once you're saved, you're saved and your place is secure. But what he can do, he can stop you talking to others about going to heaven. And he'll try to so overwhelm you with your own issues in life and money and bills and burdens and family and disappointments and trouble and anxiousness and all of those things that are around us in life that it will stop you. It will stop you talking to others. And uh, try not to let that happen. Try, try, to, try to focus on the priorities uh, even when there are other things that may not be going well, uh, don't, don't be distracted from what it's all about. And, and it, that is what it's all about. That is what it's all about. So thank you for praying. Uh, Thailand, please don't forget missions. You're supposed to be involved with missions. And uh, if you're not, repent and get involved with missions. So that means you need to be giving to missions You should be praying for some missionaries. If you don't want to pray for us, pray for someone else. But do your part uh, back here. That's how it works. And God wants us all to stay involved in reaching people around the world. If you allow your world to become very small 
and overwhelmed with the things that are only in your life, you will become a very unhappy person. And you will become small-minded and little things will become big things to you. And it's a real danger in allowing that to happen. Uh, open your eyes and see the field. And uh, Jesus, when he saw the fields, he was moved with compassion. Uh, so be careful about that. All right, First Samuel, let's read a few verses, give you a truth. And uh, I'm only here tonight. We, we, we're, we're actually going back. This was not a long trip for us. And uh, so I appreciate Pastor, and I can say I appreciate Pastor full stop, that is a statement, but I also appreciate Pastor uh, giving me the opportunity. Chapter 8, have you got it? Verse number, let me read a few verses and then give you something that I hope you can take away with you. It says, And it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel and the name of his second, Abiah, uh, they were judges in Beersheba, and his sons walked not in his ways. So if that's ever happened to you, you're not the first. But turned aside after Luca, and took bribes and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said unto him, Behold, Thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. Now, uh, I want you to just notice uh, verse number seven because it's God's opinion that, that kind of matters more than anybody else's. And what I want you to see there is God said, uh, this is a rejection of me. Now, somebody else didn't say, well, I, don't, I think they're rejecting God. God said, this is a rejection of me. And then notice further what he said. He said that I should not reign over them. They, they, have, they have decided that they, would, they, they do not want me and they don't want me reigning over their life. God said, that's what this is. Now, we'll, 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 we'll mention the causes in a moment, but any time you reject the ways of God, you're saying, I will not have you to reign over my life. I will reign over my life. I'm, I, will, I will be the boss of my life. I will decide what I do and what I don't do. I will decide which way I go with this or which way I go with that. But any time 
you reject God's ways in a matter, you need to understand you're rejecting God. Now, I'm not saying you're not saved, but I'm saying you're saying to God, I will not have you to reign over me. And Jesus said, why call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? He said, why do you you give me the title, You, you say it and you pray it, but it doesn't mean anything to you. You say I'm Lord, but I'm not Lord, you're Lord. You're Lord over your life. You do what you want to do. You're the boss of your life and you'll not have anybody else reign over you. And so, so when we reject God's ways, in, we are saying, I'll not have you reign over me in that area of life. You're not going to reign over my finances. I'm not tithing. I, I'm, I'm not giving in this. You know, I'm, I'm going to reign over that. You're not going to reign over this area. You're not going to choose my life partner. You're not going to choose my job. You're not going to tell me where to go. You're not going to correct my attitudes. I'm not going to respond when you, I'm not. And God said, when you do that, you're saying to God, I will not have you reign over me. Now, I fear Christians do that too much. And I fear, truthfully, I've done it a time of two in my own life where I have done something my way that was contrary to God's way. Now, uh, sometimes we're ignorant and sometimes we're not. I remember when I first got saved, having never gone to Sunday school, never been in church, had an alcoholic dad, a mum who was struggling to do life, married as a teenager, uh, growing up in the housing commission area, you know, just, just everything you imagine that that life is. And uh, when I got saved, I didn't know anything about God. I, I, I didn't have any principles for life. I didn't know what to do. I, I, I first knew salvation, but then I discovered that actually there's things in the Bible beyond salvation as in other things to tell us how we're supposed to live. So once I knew that, I had to find out what those things were. So, so I had to say, well, what's a husband supposed to be? Because I don't know. What, what, what's a, what is a marriage? What, what are we supposed to do? God, how do I bring up children? Okay. And, and here's the problem. The problem is that that God's people have laid God aside in 90% of their life. God's people think that God doesn't know how to raise children. God's people think that God doesn't know what's best. Or you maybe wouldn't word it that way, but somehow you have relegated the principles and the statements of the Word of God about these things to being no longer applicable to your daily life. And that's why most Christians will get into the mess that most Christians get into. Because God has spoken about some things. So you have a duty to to find out what God says about those things. And then secondly, when you know 
to say, well, I'm not Lord, you are. And if you said it, well, I'm going to try to do it. And and when you say, well, I won't have you to reign over me, you're rejecting God. So when you reject God's ways, or secondly, you reject God's will, you're making a statement, I'll not have you to reign over me. And that's an atrocious thing for any Christian to do, even if they don't verbalise it that way. There was a day when Christian people believed that Jesus is Lord. And we would say it and believe it. Jesus is Lord. And that meant that what Jesus said, he's the Lord and I'm not the Lord. And we believe that you're supposed to do the things that Jesus said. We believe that if Jesus called you to the mission field, you were supposed to go. We believe that if Jesus confronted you in your heart about a certain attitude, you were supposed to get that right. You were supposed to repent. And we believe that the Lord was supreme in all matters and that the first thing I needed to do was walk with my own personal conduct in a way that Jesus was Lord over the things he said to me. And and I, I get concerned that there has been a mass slippage in Christianity, I'm going to say globally, but probably in Australia particularly, uh, we have come a little bit too far away from the very basic things we all used to believe and probably would still say we believe, but just don't do a whole lot anymore. We've become influenced by other voices uh, over God's voice. Uh, we, we, we no longer believe in an ultimate final authority, except for your salvation, because you want that, right? You want to believe that. You want, you want to believe, no, no, he said it, he said it. You want to hang on to that, right? But the rest of life, you'll just take care of yourself. So, so when we reject God's ways in a matter or God's will, we are saying, I will not have you to reign over us. And I just have you to plainly see what God said about that. Now, I'm going to show you that there was a reason. And then, I, and then, then, then I'm going to say that it was no reason, but there was a reason. Okay, there was a reason they said what they said. But God didn't say, uh, well, there was a reason, so you don't have to do what I said. All right, now, if you look at the two reasons that they cited, the first one uh, they said uh, was that your sons, uh, verse number five, do not walk in your ways. So, so what had happened, let's understand, to this point, and let's just go back a bit. God chose a group of people and uh, he didn't choose them because they were big. He didn't choose them because they were more than others. He chose them and he said, this nation will be special unto me. And he chose the descendants of Abraham and, uh, and he gathered them together and they were unique because their king was God. Their, God would lead them in a way entirely different to the way other people were because they had God. And they would even say sometimes, what people are we that, that, uh, that have God like this? There's none others like us. And they celebrated that for a long time. 
And so God was going to lead them through prophets uh, and uh, through, through uh, you know, the, the, the words of God, through the men of God. God was going to lead them that way. Well, then they came across a situation where Samuel's sons were doing wrong. Now, were they doing wrong? Yes. Did they do wrong? Yes. Uh, a little bit? No. Quite, a, quite more than a little bit. It was pretty awful. It was, uh, they, were, they were wearing the cloak of the people of God, the man of God. They were supposed to be the leaders and they were doing some things that people saw and said, look, this, this is just not right. Now, I think at that point, we can all agree and the scriptures would agree. There's no, there is no defence here of the conduct of Samuel's sons, None. Samuel didn't make any and, uh, and there's nothing to say that there was any distortion of what is said here in the word of God. There's no doubt that these people were not walking with God and were doing some pretty atrocious things. Here comes the problem. The, the transgression of the, of the people of Israel was not in seeing that. God, God did not criticise what they saw. God did not say, well, that's not true. God got it, what they were seeing. The problem was this. They made a terrible mistake that God's people continue to make to this very day. And the mistake was this. When they saw somebody abusing something God had put in place, in this case, the office, they said, Let's throw out the whole principle. Are you with me? They said, well, let's change everything. Now, uh, the danger with that is this. There are many principles that God has given us that people abuse. There, there are many good things that God has given, but you can find somebody not being good in doing that thing. Do you understand me? God gave us marriages, but I know plenty of awful ones. But what you don't do is say, well... I've known so many awful marriages, marriage doesn't work. Marriage is not good. No, no, God said it's good. God, God gave it. It comes from God. It's of God. It's God's way. Well, you know, I've known too many men to be abusers. Well, they're wrong and sinful and, and improper and they shouldn't do that. But marriage is still good. It's God's way. And the point of it is, you don't throw something out because somebody abuses something. Uh, I, I remember, I've had people say over the years, uh, you know, well, we, we, we had a pastor and he did such and such and so now we need a plurality of elders. Well, well hang on, what happened there? Well, how, do, how do we move to that? Well, because of this and this and... No, 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 no. If it was right, it's right. If the, if the principle is correct, it's still correct. And you don't change something simply because somebody abuses something that God has given. Am I being clear? Do you, do you understand this? Because you need to hold on to this. Because the principles of God come from God. Okay. God, by the way, God gives headship. Okay. And everything that has a head that works has one head. Right? Anything with two heads is a monster. Okay, marriage is supposed to have one head. Okay, a, a church doesn't have a plurality of headship. 
A local church has a, a local head or a, an, a local authority. And, and for us, that's a pastor. And nobody is saying that any pastor anywhere, anytime, in any place ever is unaccountable. We don't believe that. In, in fact, we, 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 I, when I arrived here uh, 1988, July 5th, 1988, there was a constitution put in place here. And when I looked at it, here's what it said. It said that to appoint a pastor, there has to be 75% of the people have to be in agreement. But then it said, to remove him, you just need two-thirds. So that'd be 66%. And I can remember in the days that I led the church, putting a slide up on the wall explaining all that and saying, now, now this is the accountability structure of the local church. Okay, the pastor is not a pope. And, and Baptists have never advocated that pastors are popes. But the pastor is the appointed under-shepherd of a local church. And, and, and if the past, is the pastor accountable? He must be accountable. Every pastor has to be accountable. Every pastor. No, there isn't anybody who's not accountable. Uh, but what we don't do, we don't abandon any principle of God because you come across a situation where that principle might get abused. Okay, now I, wanna, I, wanna, I don't want to just narrow it down. I want to say this is broad. Okay, because you either believe what God said or you don't. And, and if you're going to change things simply because somebody does something wrong or, or in violation of, a, of, a, of a, what they should have done, if you're going to throw God's principles out, you're going to end up with nothing. Can you see how easy it would be for the devil to just strip you of everything? You just need to meet someone with a bad marriage. You, 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 just, you just need to meet someone who went too far with their kids. You just need to meet a religious nut who, who just went too far. But plenty of those stories turn on the ABC. I just hear them all the time. You know, I grew up in a home, we went swimming and I had to wear slacks and I've been in therapy ever since. Mm-hmm. My parents were religious fanatics. Mm-hmm. And plenty of those stories, this and that and the other. Well, maybe they were. Maybe they were. But that's not God. It doesn't change what God said. And you don't throw out the principles of God because of that. Do you understand? You either believe the book or you don't. You either believe God is God or he's not. And if he is, he's God every time. And don't get, you know, I remember reading many years ago, some dear soul who was just trying to help Jesus got concerned that when you told people that when they were saved, they were saved forever, that they wouldn't live a holy life. And so in a, in a, in a wonderful effort to try to help Jesus, he decided to tell people, no, no, if you sin enough, you lose your salvation. And the idea was that he just helped God along by scaring people so that they would live right. And do you see what you've done? You've just perverted a truth based on what you think should be done because someone else is abusing something that, that God has said. Is this making sense? Because if you don't understand this, you, you are 1 Samuel 8. It's you doing it. It's you keep changing things because, you know, can you see anyone who's been in this country longer? You know how we lost our guns? Oh, I don't like guns. All right, tune out. Do you know how we lost our guns? We lost our guns because about three fanatical people 
did atrocious, abominable, devilish, disgusting, awful things in hurting and killing others. And that was enough to punish all the good people in the country. No, isn't that what happened? It is. I remember. I had politicians here talking about it. It is. It is. There was a catalyst. And, and, and every time someone does something wrong, it's let's shut it down for everybody. Now, if you, if you don't see the deception in that, you'll, you, you're going to get fooled every time. Because everything you believe in, you're going to keep meeting someone who's abusing that or, or doing the wrong thing. Or you will meet some dictatorial person who is a pastor and he thinks he's a pope. And, and you'll say, there it is. You know, we need a plurality of elders. Listen, I've been in churches with plurality of elders. Unlike a lot who talk about it, I, I've been in them for years. Then I can tell you, every time you have a plurality of elders, you know what the truth is? You have one elder who's above all the rest. You always have one. You always have one who leads the rest. It's never this, this wonderful, you know, well, just a kind of a consensus. It, no, 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 it's not. It never is. It's just a pastor by a different name. And I'm simply saying that this is a, an example. And by the way, God said, put that in a book. Better tell people about that. Show them that. Put it in nice and early. Put it, put it in way early. You know, uh, yeah, chapter 8, Samuel, that'll do. Get it in there. Because they, they, need, they need to see this because, because, because too many of them are doing this. And they need to understand when they, when they throw out my principles, they're throwing me out. And that's what I want you to see. And the second thing they said, they said, well, you, 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 you know, you, your kids are did, did no good. So give us a king. And here's what they said, like everybody else. And that's your second danger, that you start being like everybody else. You know, you know what you want the church to be like? You want the church to be just like the world. That's what you want. You know, you, 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 you want to follow the Labour Party in the democracy of the church. Well, let's do this and let's do this. And listen... The, the church doesn't belong to any... The church belongs to Jesus. And he has given some clear instructions about how things are. And God's people are supposed to be different. And one of the most alarming things going on today is they're not. They're not. In, in fact, there are those saying, no, no, we just have to be like everybody else, but we keep a little bit of Jesus as well. You're supposed to be different. You're supposed to not just follow everything everybody else does. You're supposed to not be caught up in every trend and every new thing and, and, you know, every piece of propaganda that SBS or ABC or about everywhere else spews out. You're supposed to be able to discern and say, that's not even true. That's anti-God. That's not right. And you're supposed to be different. God's people are supposed to be different. Because we belong to God. Stop following everything the world does. Well, they do it this way. You know, I don't know how many things have just come into the church that, that, that ought not to be. We're supposed to be different. And if different makes us smaller, then praise God. Better to be smaller. Jesus said, Jesus said fear not little flock. He never called it a big flock. He always knew we were not going to be the majority on the world. He talked about a narrow road where there were few and a, and a wide road where there were many. But he said the, the many road leads to destruction. And so God's people need to, 
to re-establish ourselves on, on the things that are of God and get back into our Bibles and get God-led in what we do. And, and but I have to teach this to Thai Buddhists. You know, no Thai ever disciplines their children. They don't do it. Not at all. They, the spanking to them is an act of violence. Sounds like Australia. They, uh, they just, they don't, they don't, they never do that. You say, well, how do, how do their kids ever learn? Well, how, how it works over there is a child starts school when they're three and they just learn from the group. So whatever the group behaviour is, that's how you moderate your behaviour. And that's basically how ties learn what is acceptable behaviour. It's always the group, the group, the group. That's what they do. So now Christian parents come along, they've been saved, and they start to come across some things in the Bible where God said, no, you teach them, you discipline them, and, and you know, you, you, they're not going to kill them, don't spare the rod, and, and all of that. And by the way, discipline is not something we do to our children. Discipline is something we do for our children. Well, I don't believe that. Well, you watch too much ABC and everything else. You, you need to read the Bible because it's, it's just, it's in, it's in the Bible. And maybe the truth is you don't believe the Bible. Maybe that's really what it is. Maybe, maybe, maybe you just believe John 3.16, but the rest is a bit of a bother, eh? Maybe, maybe it's that. I'm not sure. Uh, well, don't get upset that there's still a few old dinosaurs and a few younger ones who still believe the book. And to the best of our ability, we'll try to do the things God said and even when we see somebody doing something that they shouldn't do, we're not going to blame God for that and we're not going to tell God that his system is faulty. We're just going to understand that people are people and we're going to say, well, Lord, what, what would you have me to do? And he'll probably just tell you to do right. He'll probably just tell you, well, you keep walking with me. And, and let me tell you, folks, believe it or not, Jesus is coming back soon. And a lot of the things we're getting uptight about are not going to matter. And there's some things that will matter that we ought to be focusing on. Be, be, be careful. You know, I, I, think about, I think about some Bible verses. I, I think God's people need to reread Matthew 5 to 7 and just pause over it all. That's what, that's what I think. I think verses like this, Matthew 5, verse 44. But I say unto you, who said that? Jesus. Jesus said, I say unto you. You know what you should do when he says, I say unto you? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. That's what you should do. And, and yes, Lord. I say unto you, Wayne, love your enemies. That's what he said. So you just need to pause there. That's what he said. Now, he didn't say you have to like them. But he said, love them. And then, and then he said this, uh, Wayne, listen. I say unto you, bless them that curse you. That's what you need to do. And you just need to go over it again. Do good to them that hate you. What, what, what happened to these verses? Did, did the binding drop out on Matthew 5 to 7? I, I, I don't know what happened. What, what, what happened? What happened to the things that we used to call the Beatitudes and that talked about our attitudes? What happened? Where, where did all that go? 
Do good to them that hate you. And here it is, listen, oh, yes, uh, I say unto you, pray for them which despitefully use you. Yes, Lord, that's what you do. That's, what, that's the word of God. And then here's what he said, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. See, that's a separating point. You're not of the world. What I just told you is God. And if you want to be like him, that's what you do. What happened to our Christian conduct? Here's, here's what happened. Our passions, you know what passions are? Strong feelings. Our passions uh, and our pride and other things suddenly suddenly strip us of all our Christian values. And I, I, I don't understand that. Because that's the very time you have to double down on this stuff. And you say, okay, that's what I need to do. That's, that's what I need to be. How about, how about this, Romans 10, uh, chapter, uh, Romans 12, verse 10. How about this? Uh, be kindly affectioned one to another. Hmm? Be kind. Be kind. Be kind in your words. How about that? Be, be kind in your conduct. We all know what kind is. Be, be kind. And there's just a whole lot of things here in our Bible. How about this? How about this? In honour. Who do you honour in your life? Do you even know what honour is? Who do you honour? Who? I, I, I honour pastors. I, I honour my elders. I honour those who've gone before me. I honour teachers. I honour people who hold an office, whether I like them or not. I honour. You know what honour is? Yes. I honour you. I honour you. See, that's Bible. Ah, you're talking, you think, well, it's a pope. No, no, I just think you ought to do what Jesus said and that we've lost some things. Kindly affection, one of brotherly love, in honour, preferring one another. That's all right. You sit here. I like it. I tell you what, you're in a good spot because I sit there every week, but you sit here. You sit here. Well, I don't feel like pizza tonight. I'm sick of pizza. Well, that's okay. I don't feel like pizza either. Really, I would love pizza, but that's fine. Let's just, what would you like? What would you like? You, you see what I'm saying? Well, 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 I was wanting to sing this. Well, let's sing that. That's a good song. I mean, what happened to this stuff? That's what used to bind us together. We were different. People came into the church and said, you know, those people are different. They're different. One of the most impressionable things that happened to me as a 13-year-old the day I went to church and met the first group of believers, if you said, what happened, what did you find, here's what I'd say. You know, they were really kind. That was it. That was the first standout thing the day I met some real believers. Hmm. You know, they were really kind. I mean, the, these, these are the values I'm saying you as an individual need to double down on. And you're only as good a Christian as you're living this or not living it. That's the bottom line. 
When you're not kind, you're violating the scriptures. When you're not doing these things, you're violating it. So let's get back, all of us, everywhere, in every place, to these basic things the Lord would have us to do. And just, and just try to live an authentic Christian life. Listen, when you get these values yourself and you really believe it, it's not easy for someone to take it from you. If it got pulled away from you so quick, you just weren't holding onto it very well. If you let something suddenly change you, okay, respectfully, you've just seen something in yourself. That was a revelation about what you are and what you're not. And that, and that requires some change. And there's just some basic things here that I believe we just need to anchor ourselves down on all of us. And I think it would be pleasing to the Lord. So that's it. I guess the main thought is this. Don't throw out the principles of God because you come across something where someone's doing it wrong. That's really important. Because when you do that, it isn't about the people. You see, we think... We think we're reacting to a person. We're actually, we're actually reacting to God. We, 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 think, we think that really, no, I'm just saying that because Samuel's sons. No, God said you will not let him reign over you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray and then uh, pastor or whoever. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, thank you for uh, the blessing of knowing you. Uh, Lord, the blessing of being able to gather with people uh, tonight that you have reached, you saved them, uh, you've given them your name and I thank you that we have the word of God because Lord, we live in a dark day and we live in a day where there is a great departure from all things of you and I pray Lord tonight that when we leave here that the truths that we have seen in the word and by your spirit would not leave us tonight. Uh, Lord, I pray you'd help me to be a better Christian. I, I know I have a long way to go and I know that uh, I fail in things and I pray for your mercy and I pray you'd change me and make me more like Jesus and help me and I pray you'd bless and help each one here and I thank you for the church I thank you for the wonderful history that we have here and I pray, Lord, that you would bless those who are here, those who've come in recently, God bless them. Those who've been faithful for many years, God bless them. And help us and help our local church to be faithful up until when Jesus comes. Lord, give us grace and strength to resist the temptations and not to be overwhelmed by the trials. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.